welcome to the Companion Chapel. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada. Gorgeous summer's day, gorgeous August day. Today, we're going to be talking about money and what is in people's hearts. Before we talk about the ways of the world and money, please consider, it takes hundreds of hours every month searching scriptures and writing, editing, and managing this ministry. If you have found any comfort, support, or guidance in, in the work I do, support by donating. Do you have any money for God? Give at www.companionchapel.com. There's PayPal, there's Visa, and MasterCard. It's very easy. Or you can e-transfer to the email, companionchapel at gmail.com. Now, Companion Chapel is a registered Canadian nonprofit corporation. It's a one-man show and it urgently needs your help. It's not for me. I live to serve God's word to you all while serving the Lord. Your servants require food and shelter. The Lord requires his servants to be supported. Now, if you would, please just gently press that subscribe button and please press like and press that little bell for notifications. It helps so much you don't even know. Thank you in advance. And now I hope you enjoy the podcast. And today we're talking about money and what it does to people. As we all know, COVID-19 imposed a personal stress on every individual on planet Earth. The Bible clearly foretold us of these times and all future events. For example, Christ told us all things in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Christ opened the seals in Revelation 6. The order of things which Christ said was deception, wars, rumors of wars, famine, and pestilence and pestilence is just another word for pandemic people put their faith in money and as it's written it will cause bitter grief and bitter disillusionment after all it's written the bible says money is the root of all evil if you put your trust in money like if your heart believes in money over god like it's going to keep you safe this is what will happen and we see it all over the place today all over the news everywhere love and trust of money is, is causing people bitter bitterness self-loathing they're blaming they're worrying they have anxieties and uncertainties they're all concerned about the economy on the news constantly that's all they talk about it's money 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 let's see what god's got to say about this we're going to go to luke chapter 16 luke chapter 16 verse 1 and he said unto his disciples there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted all his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear of this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be steward no longer. Let's just paint a picture here. You got the boss, he's a rich man. He's rich in the ways of the world. We have the steward, he's second in charge. He'd be like the head manager, and he gets called into the office. The boss calls him into the office. He says, look, man, sit down. I've been hearing lots of bad things about you, and you're fired. Verse 3. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away me from the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg, I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Okay, so let's just analyze this for a minute. The head manager does not consult God. Like he's just been fired. He reasons for himself. He wasn't doing his job. He has too much self-pride to take a demotion, like go pick up a shovel, 
and he's ashamed to beg, but we're going to find out he's not ashamed to embezzle. In verse 4, this fired manager comes up with a shrewd cunning plan. Now he's been working on this for a while. His mindset is all what's in it for me. He's going to scam his way into another job, into another household, and he puts effort into being dishonest. Let's read some more here. Five. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much thou owest unto my Lord? How much do you owe my boss? And the debtor, the customer, said, 150 measures of oil. And the fired manager said unto him, Take thy bill, sit down quickly, and write me 50. Give me a 50, man. Seven. Then he said to another, he went to another one of his boss's customers, How much thou owest? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take that bill and write four score. So here's this guy. He's going from customer to customer that wasn't able to pay their bills. And he's making a deal, cash deal, on the spot. Verse 7. And we read that one. So he shrewdly goes around and makes deals with his former boss's customers. Who these guys couldn't pay their bills. And it's in haste before their customers catch the play, before they find out that he's been fired or whatever else. So he's a pretty shrewd guy. He's walking around, his, his pockets are loaded. And not only that, as it's written in verse 4, in his mind, he needs a new job and he needs to be taken into their houses, into their security. And that's the way it was back then. He worked for somebody, pretty much lived with them and stayed in their household. And he was the, he was the house manager. So it's like like today, the factory manager. Well, he doesn't stay in the factory. He goes to his own house. But this guy, you know, he needs a place to stay. And he needs a job. And it's not involving him with a shovel, or leaning on a shovel all day. It's going to be him, another steward's, steward's job. So he's, he's thought this out. And verse 8. And his old boss commanded the unjust steward. He commanded this guy. He commanded, the old boss commanded the guy he fired. And he said to him, Because you have done wisely, that's why I've commanded you. Now, when his old boss hears of all this that he's done, he commends him. It's like one shyster looks at another shyster says, Oh, good one. That's a good one. Well, you pulled off a good one there. Very shrewd. Well done. We have to know, why can his customers pay? Let me tell you, because he was a price gouger himself. If he's looking at a shyster and saying, hey, that's pretty good what you just pulled off, that means it, it means nothing to him to impose grinding poverty on others. We see price gouging today with COVID-19. I was in the hardware store the other day and up by the cash register, you know, where they sell all the little things. There was bottles of hand sanitizer and that's become a basic necessity lately basic necessity of life here to have hand sanitizer and mass little boss hand sanitizer 500 mils that's not too big small $18.95 are you kidding me a $20 bill for that it's like a dollar worth of material in there so I said something to the lady I said hey that's price gouging and that's inexcusable now I know the lady behind the cash register is just there trying to make a buck right and so you can't really get on their case but the management of that company of the hardware store. This is just, just disgusting. Shrewd business practices are highly esteemed today. You see the shysters all hanging out together. And they're shrewd people. 
which I'm just going to leave it at that. My personal opinion should be nice here. But being mindful of oneself, justifying unjust, ethically corrupt, morally corrupt behaviors is what seems to be the norm today. And that's exactly what Christ says. And in the same verse, in the last part of verse 8, this is Christ. It should have been the start of verse 9 here, but uh, that's just the way she goes. So, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Now, Christ says that, not the steward, or not the boss. That's over with now. We figured that one out. The shysters. How, how people operate in the ways of the world. Like the steward put forth effort into learning shrewd, cunning ways out instead of allowing God to give him the way out because God always gives you a way out. And we know what the steward was doing. It was lazy. But we're going to get, we're going to go on here. Let's go to verse 9. Verse 8. Children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of the light. Yeah, children of the world are shrewd, cunning, selfish, conceited, arrogant, and ignorant, covetous. They think they have entitlement. And children of the light are caring and compassion. And that's who we are. And we'll just leave that at that. Let's go to verse 9. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. And it should read like this. Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. That's you make friends with your riches and the people around you that are having these ill-gotten gains, the dishonest people. It shall fail you. They're not going to be there when you need them. They may receive you into everlasting habitation. They're going to receive you because they're going to be there. They're going to be on the hell side. If shysters and scammers and covetous people, ignorant, arrogant people were allowed in heaven, it would be nothing more than a new hell. And that's not God's plan. So you may as well make friends with these people while you can because they'll be there to receive you when you take your steps into hell. Because you can't come into heaven. Make friends with those who are you going to hell with. When the money is gone, they can care less about you. Let me tell you something. Money can't buy friends. They don't like you. They, they love the money. They can't buy salvation. Money can't buy faith. Money can't buy inner peace. And money can't buy your way into heaven. And the reason that is, money can't buy your way into heaven or it will be nothing more than a new hell. Let's go to verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Let's just make this simple here. There's dishonest people and there's honest people. If in the least you are unjust, if you're just a little bit unjust, a few things you think you can get away with, the same will be unjust in big things. You just do little things that you think, okay, okay, I'm just going to pass this off here. You know, well, when it comes, I'm going to pass this off here. Like, it's okay. It's pretty innocent. Well, when it comes to the big things, you're going to be unjust. Therefore, God won't trust you with the truth of this, of the word. And he won't answer your prayers. He won't answer the prayers of the unjust. Let's go to verse 11. And 11 and 12 go together. 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay, so let's let's just 
define what this mammon means, first of all, because we've been using this word a little bit and haven't said much about it. Mammon is an Aramaic word. The etymology of the word means where you put your confidence. People personify money. Money is most people's God, believe it or not. It represents a quality of safety and certainty to most people. The Aramaic word mammon means riches, treasure, and it means what you put your heart in. Where is your treasure? Is your treasure with God? Is your treasure with the Lord? 14. And the Pharisees also. Now the Pharisees were the church leaders, like the deacons, the pastors, the ministers, whatever you want to call them. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. They got it on Christ's case because they were serving money. They're lovers of money. And people serving the money God don't like the truth. 15. And he said unto them, Christ says to the Pharisees, the chief priests, the church leaders, You are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That's when people look up to stuff, material things, like a big pile of, like a, like a ginormous church with fancy cars and, and, and just the luxuries of the world. When, you, when, people, when he sees that and he knows that's what's in your heart and that's what is esteemed by you, then it's an abomination to God. You have to look around at your surroundings. You give it up for God. Do you have any money for God? Or you just keep buying stuff for yourself? And this is what these people, these, these church leaders of the time, were changing things to suit themselves. They were changing God's word to suit their lifestyle. And they were changing the laws and the prophets to make themselves look so holy they didn't care. They just put on the, all these traditions. And that was something about, you have to rightly divide the word. Christ didn't come to change the laws. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. The laws still stand. He fulfilled some blood ordinances. That's true when he was up on the cross. But everything else still stands. We're talking, when you have to rightly divide the word and understand that the Pharisees or the church leaders made void the word of God by creating all these laws for people to follow and passing them off as biblical laws when they weren't. They were just traditions. As it's written in the book of Mark, the traditions of men make void the word of God. And this is what goes on from now, verse 15 to verse 18. Verse 16, the law of the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. That means whosoever will. And it says the law and the prophets were until John because that was what the time was when this was written. This was Christ still teaching. He hasn't gone up on the cross yet. So he's just bringing up things to that time. 17. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. So what Christ is saying is he's reiterating what was written in Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to have to turn there quickly. Matthew chapter 5. And this is what Christ says. For verily, or truly, I say unto you, until heaven and earth pass, not one jot or tittle shall no way pass from the law until all be fulfilled. Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And that's what he's saying. He, nothing has changed. 
You have to follow God's law. God's law means God's instructions. And you can't just change little things and say, oh, that was written a long time ago. A long time ago. We're talking... When you look at the affairs of time, considering planet Earth is a billion years old, and we can't even comprehend what time is, and we are basically on this planet for such a short period of time, but we think we just know so much. Mankind's just got it all worked out, and they'll actually have the audacity to say, oh, that was written a long time ago. A long time ago. Look at the affairs of time. Look at, think of a timeline of a, of a billion years, and then think of a couple hundred years or a thousand years. That's not a long time ago. These laws stand. God's word is, was, and always will be. And and then, so these people have put away the prophets. They just think they can change them. Uh, they changed the law, and they changed the prophets. And here's an example of them changing the law. Who so forever put away his wife and marrieth another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband, committeth adultery. So you got this guy... He's a neighbor, and he's got a wife, and all of a sudden, hey, they just got divorced. What's up? There's adultery happened. Adultery means being unfaithful. And the lesson here is being unfaithful to Christ. Christ is the husband. We are the bride, and that's the way it is. If you are unfaithful to your husband, then you put a, then your husband's going to put you away. Remember in Jeremiah chapter 3, God divorced Israel. That's the sons of Isaac, Sarah, Rebekah, Abraham, and Leah. That's a lot of people. That's the 10 tribes of Israel. He said, look at these people. They are so unfaithful to me, I divorced them. Yeah, he takes them back after. But it was quite a chastisement for them to come back. Because God only chastises those he loves. If you want to be unfaithful to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior then expect chastisement. And the chastisement goes like this. God knows how much affliction each of us needs to humble for the eternity. And if you don't get any chastisement, that's pretty bad. Because that means you know better. And you don't get any chastisement because God's given up on you. God will never leave you or forsake you. You leave or forsake God. But you have to remember. Judicial blindness follows persistent unbelief why wouldn't god just blind people hey man you know what you guys are such a pain in the butt forget it you can go to hell for a thousand years and maybe you'll straighten up there but in the meantime you know i've just had it and he's that's a common theme throughout the bible but remember when you're getting chastised you take inventory you don't blame god you give thanks to god and you figure out what you're doing wrong and to do that, you have to know God's instructions, and God's instructions is God's law. So whoever put it with way his wife and marrieth another, that means being unfaithful. And Jesus Christ will put you away. Remember, he will say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. And that would be just absolute mortification of the soul to have our Lord and Savior say that to anybody. And I don't wish that on any, I do not wish that on anybody. Absolutely not. Let's go to 19. This is a great story, and this kind of goes along with the first story about the steward and the boss man. And this is about Lazarus and the rich man. We have a rich man and we have a beggar. 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. This guy was styling, man. He was balling. He was had the best donkey cart, and it was 
blinged out and he just was Joe Diamond right there. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. Now, I know there's a deeper meaning to the word Lazarus, and we're not going to go there right now. It has to do with Elazar, which means Lazarus. That's a priest line of truth. Okay, we're just going to leave that for now. Okay, so this Lazarus, he was getting punked by the rich man. Just like, just getting walked by. You know, he's just laying there, a human being, and this guy with, you know, he couldn't count as much, couldn't, had way more than he needed. And he just took it for granted. And he did not even help this uh, poor, poor um, Lazarus character. 21, and desiring to be fed, Lazarus just desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. And moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. This is just crazy. The dogs had more compassion than the rich man. And dogs do. Dogs have more compassion. Dogs give you unconditional love. I just love my little doggies. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. And the rich man died also and was buried. There's a lot said here. It came to pass the beggar, he died. His body, this flesh body died. And he was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. Not the flesh body. The flesh body goes to a hole in the ground, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and gets covered in worms. Whether you're rich or you're poor, it doesn't matter. Your body's going to die and it's going to be eaten up by worms. Just get over it. But your soul, God requires back. No, your soul is what you are, your human being, your spirit is who you are. Your attitude, your spirit, your spirit is the intellect of your soul, your attitude, your aptitude, your beliefs, what you carry. It's your spirit. The angels, you know, they're there for you when you die. So you're not, you're not alone wondering what's going on. Right away, you're in, you're in heaven. And the beggar was in Abram's bosom. And the rich man died and was buried. And he's in hell. And the rich man lifted up his eyes. And there he is. He's dead. Like, all the funeral's over. He, he wasn't even at the funeral. He's, he's gone. People are down there uh, burying him. But he's already in hell. And he lifts up his eyes. He looks up. And being in torments, like he's he's shaking it rough, man, because he was styling in the luxuries of the world for that short period of time. And now he's in torments. He's uncomfortable. And he sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. It means you recognize people up there. You're not limited anymore. The rich man cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. This guy was this guy was a sellout, and now he still thinks he can be bossy boss and just boss people around because he thinks his money's going to do something up there, and it's doing nothing. He can't get out of hell. He can't get a drink of water, and he can't be up there bossing around people. He still thinks he's better than than Lazarus. He doesn't ask Lazarus. He asks Abraham. Abraham, send that guy over here, will you? Like send your send this guy over. No, you don't. You can't be condescending. And if people that were condescending were allowed in heaven, it'd be nothing more than a new hell. And he's tormented. He's complaining. He's whining. Well, boo-hoo. Because you write your own sentence. He's tormented because he can't get over the way he thinks. He can't get over his thought pattern. The rich man can't get over himself. 25. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivedest thou good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you 
cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. What Abram's telling us is between heaven and hell, it's an impassable gulf. Now, I know in in the millennium chapters of Ezekiel, there's something written about that, but let's just keep it what it is here. There's a gulf between heaven and hell, like a big ditch, a hole, a valley, whatever, and you're not getting you're not getting over it. You're in hell or you're in heaven, and you can see over. There's a great gulf fixed. And Abraham's just letting this guy know, hey man, you had all kinds of good stuff. And you didn't share it with this guy. You were mean. And even the dogs were better than you. Even the dogs were nicer than you to this human being. 27, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. This is the rich man. He's trying to make up his own religion. He still can't get over himself. He just he just thinks he knows better. And if you think you know better than God, like this rich man, still thinking he knows better, then you're in a heap of hurt. And you may as well make friends with other people like that because you may as well have friends when you're on that side of the gulf. And this is what he's saying. He's trying to reason himself out. Like people reason their own religion. They take a little bits of the Bible and little bits of, you know, maybe something Buddha said or the Dalai Lama said or something, you know, reasonings of man. They take some out of other religions and mush it all together. Yeah, this must be what's best because I think that's what's best. But what you think doesn't amount to a hell of beans compared to what God thinks. And God's word is the reason resolved written in the councils of eternity. And no, you do not know better than that. So you have to be quiet and listen. And that's what God expects of you. And this is the rich man. You know, he's saying, I pray therefore, Father Abraham, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers there. And that he may testify unto them for fear that they also come into this place of torment. He wants Lazarus to show up there at the, at his brother's house to testify unto them. And this is what Abram says. Abram said to the rich man who's in hell, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abram, for if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And Abram said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. Through one rose from the dead. Remember, even... That's Jesus' job. And still many don't believe. Still many people question what's question Jesus Christ. And that's another subject for another day. But this is what the rich man who just can't get over himself. He thinks all the money that he had and his lifestyle and his faith was in money. And it's going to fail you. And that's what happens. It fails because money is the root of all evil. It's where your heart is, where your treasure is. Lazarus heart was with God. He knew there was something better. And there's something way better than the material things money can buy. Because all the material things that you can get are just going to end up old, rusty, and Mother Nature just takes them back anyway. The things that you really want right now and that you love, if you put your heart to it and just love those things, think about in five years if you get what you want. Are you going to want something better, a new model, a bigger house, something, is, is that thing that you wanted going to love you back? No, it's going to wear out. It's going to, it's deteriorating. What you love and put your heart in, it's just going to be, end up being a joke. You're going to want something else. And then you're always wanting. 
and always wanting more. You will never be satisfied. And the only thing that will satisfy you is the love of Jesus Christ. If that's what you want, and that's what you want in your heart, then that's what you put first. Because you can't buy that. And the love of Jesus Christ will only grow and get stronger and even to the eternity. And you will never feel wanting or needing again. You will not feel anxiety. You will not feel like you've been ripped off or that, oh, this is just just, just horrible, this COVID-19, what it's done to the economy. Once you have the love of Christ in your heart, you give it, you care less about the economy. You know it's gonna fail. It has to fail. All the plots, plans, and purposes of mankind have to fail or there would be no God. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. That's Luke chapter 16, and that's about money. And that should give you some feelings of certainty. That should take away your anxiety. And there's lots more in the Bible about this. And we should do some more episodes on money and where your heart is. Because I can tell you right now, I don't have two dimes to rub together. And I feel content. It would be nice to have some money for the Companion Chapel because if you have money for God, you have to give it up. And the Companion Chapel, the money is not for me. The money goes into teaching God's Word. It goes into the church. And we appreciate it very much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that because I certainly enjoyed bringing it to you. And please consider, it takes hundreds of hours every month searching scripture, writing, editing, and managing this ministry. If you have found any comfort, support, or guidance in the work that I've done here, support by donating. Do you have any money for God? Give at www.companionchapel.com. There's a PayPal there, MasterCard, a Visa option, and or e-transfer at companionchapel at gmail.com. Companion Chapel is a registered Canadian nonprofit corporation. It's a one-man show. It's just me, and I urgently need your help to keep serving God's Word. I live to serve God's Word to you all while serving the Lord. And your servant requires food and shelter, and the Lord requires His servants to be supported. I thank you very much. Thank you very much for your support. And I can keep bringing you these blogs this ministry and i can get it all together right if i could have an employee and it makes it even more difficult that i'm facing eviction again but i have no anxiety about it whatsoever because i know god's gonna you know have a place for me but it would sure be nice to be comfortable somewhere where i could study and just do the podcast the blog and run the ministry it's not for me it's for the people the money you send is not for me it is for the ministry and it helps spread the word of the Lord. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. And please contact me at companionchapel.com or companionchapel at gmail.com with any questions or comments. And if you would please just gently press the subscribe button and please press the like button on the podcast. And it will help so much. Just that little gesture. Comment. Ask, ask questions about the Bible. Ask me questions. And if you have any ideas about the, for the ministry or have anything you want to add, God bless you. And thank you very much. And have a great day. Bye for now.